Hi, this is Jim from Safety Wars. Before we start the program, I want to make sure everyone understands that we often talk about OSHA and EPA citations, along with some other regulatory actions from other agencies, legal cases, and criminal activity. Everyone is innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. Proposed fines are exactly that, and they are often litigated, reduced, or vacated. We use available public records, news accounts, and press releases. We cannot warranty or guarantee the details of any of the stories we share since we are not directly involved with these stories, at least not most of the time. Enjoy the show. This, this, this show is brought to you by Safety FM. And from the border of liberty and prosperity, where's my mouth today? And the highway to the north. This is Safety Wars for Friday. Yes, Friday, October 20th, 2023. How's everybody doing out there? Hope your week was productive. Yes, we're always coming on a little bit earlier. I come on when I come on. I learned that when I come home from whatever project I'm on, uh, it's always smart. Now we're going to go on immediately. And let me get the timer on. We're looking to up our game here at Safety Wars. How's everybody doing? You know, we had a very productive week here. Running around, doing site audits, conquerors. You name it, we did it. Industrial hygiene is great. Over the training. Well, uh, this is what I spent a couple of hours doing today. We have a training schedule for a new client uh, for uh, 2000, the remainder of 2023 and going into 2024. I like to have all of the safety meetings done in towards the end of of uh, November, we are able to schedule everything. A lot of our clients are mobile crews. They hand them a book of safety meetings, safety resources, and they cycle them through the whole year. There, right? Then they get them back. And, you know, everything is great. So if you're in a third-party audit uh, program, and there's two main ones out there. Uh, so back in the day, we used to go and we used to have to record, uh, review uh, health and safety meeting, uh, health and safety plans. And we would have to go and review, uh, you know, uh, insurance paperwork. We'd have to ins- uh, review uh, all different types of stuff, right? The normal stuff, OSHA 300 log, accidents and incident reports. And then we would have to make a determination, check or check bad or check we need more information and there were a couple of two primary uh, and there are more there are two primary uh universes that i deal with and with this and they require uh you enter in well, this is the type of company i have and therefore we're going to need these types of sections your safety plan and you write up each section and then you submit them and you also have to do with every one of those sections. And 
typically companies, my experience could have anywhere from 25 to 40 different areas in the safety plan that they have to give training on. If only that's even a safety meeting. And that's in addition to all the OSHA training out there and outreach uh, training, which we all know is not a certification if you listen to us on the last program. So we go out there, we do that. That's one of our services out there. So if you need help in one of these third-party uh, 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 auditing programs, we're your company, 845-269-5772 or jim at safetywords.com. We'll get you on board at a re- reasonable rate. Uh, what I find uh, funny is, is that when you submit those plans, those plans are not necessarily OSHA compliant. So you need to make sure that they're OSHA compliant and not only compliant to that third party evaluator. Uh, that's uh, one of those traps that you can get caught in uh, if you're not careful. And we try to be very careful here. The uh, What else are we doing here? I promoted this yesterday, and I could not get on the air last night due to circumstances well beyond my control. Uh, we had the uh, 22nd anniversary of the anthrax, well, my involvement, at least, in the anthrax attacks for NBC and CVS. I really can't go into what happened there, but I think, you know, you can Google it. There's a lot of stuff out there that is in the public record, a lot of stuff uh, that wasn't supposed to be in the public record, but is in the public record and everything else with that. What are the lessons learned? That's the important thing. The lessons that I learned in this whole process was that the government was not involved, uh, prepared for a something like this, dealing with biological agents. And one of the things with biological agents is, or pathogens, use the correct terminology, right? Pathogens are things that impact human health, right? Microorganisms, right? Bacteria, uh, fungi, viruses. We're all virologists after COVID. Uh, And uh, uh, prion, which is a little bit debatable, and other microorganisms. So those are the five basic ones. And what uh, we learned was that we're, we're not prepared for that in this country. I don't know if you can prepare for it, but we could be better prepared. And trying to explain biological hazards to the general public is problematic. We found that out during COVID. So over a 10-year period, I was running the news, and I didn't have this platform here on Safety FM uh, that uh, Jay Allen had uh, offered me. And we did not have the... uh, uh, wherewithal to do all this stuff, got involved in stuff. Uh, I wasn't as professional as I am today. (laughs) And I know everybody's laughing there on a Friday night. But what the idea was, was the, we do not, we're not prepared. We need to get prepared. And I spent a long time trying to do that, spread the message. Uh, People that you heard of in the news, in politics, uh, I ran for office uh, twice, Couldn't get, oh, well, you don't know what you're talking about. And then what happens? We had subsequent emergencies after that, including an Ebola scare, uh, SARS, MERS, uh, some other stuff happened in there, uh, Ebola. uh, And then in 2019, starting in August, I said, 
August, September, that time frame. Something's weird here going on, guys. And uh, the why we had heard about some of this stuff, reports coming out of China from uh, our friends there over at Coast to Coast AM. I'll give them a plug and a couple of other uh, online sources that there's this new virus coming out. There's something going on there. And because of our prior experience with China and the way that they control things over there, and by the way, we're going to be talking more about politics as we go along here because I uh, we got a lot of people very interested in politics on here. Uh, not allowed to endorse anyone. I'm going to avoid doing that, but we will cover some stuff. Our political episode on September 27th was very highly rated, and uh, we're going to continue on with that. One of the highest rated episodes we ever had in uh, three weeks, in a three-week time frame. But anyway, I digress. The right, I just started looking weird. We said, hey, uh, why is this happening here? Uh, we have all this PPE dissipating. It wasn't available. First, it was starting with the respirators, uh, N95, uh, filtering face fuse respirators. Then it went on to something more than that. It went on to uh, uh, gloves, surgical gloves, protective suits. And then it went into disinfectants. And then people were using alternatives to disinfectants. For example, Polish potato uh, alcohol, which was like 190 proof. Everclear was the other one, the Americanized version or the Western version of that. Uh, and things, and I said, man, this is bad. So I went out and I ordered a whole bunch of stuff. I broke out and did an inventory of all of the uh, respirators I had from because I was prepared for Ebola, and I'm kicking myself because I could I had cases of comfort masks that you now the imitation filtering face fuse respirators cases I'm on I threw them out because nobody wanted them. Well, had I held on to them for six months, uh, we could have probably bought a car without what we're charging for. I didn't have to gouge. And all of this stuff comes on and goes on, and we weren't ready for it again. Today, uh, what has it been on? Uh, two weeks right now we're working on? Two-week anniversary tomorrow? We have uh, the whole situation on in Israel and the Gaza Strip, uh, Palestine, Palestine, uh, We had the other Palestine, Palestine Ohio. Now we have Palestine in the Middle East uh, going on. My question is this. We have threats. There's nothing that we could do here. I mean, my community is in an uproar here. Uh, some people from my community are reporting over to Israel for uh, battles, for to fight, uh, to be with the Israeli uh, military there, the IDF. My question is this, real simple. What are you, 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 going to do about what's going on in the Middle East? It's a question. How are you, how is that going to impact us over here? We're already getting, other than, okay, we uh, had the president on, the nice speech last night, reportedly one of his best speeches to date. Uh, by some sources, 
uh, asking for $100 billion. But is this really a money issue? Are we just going to go and throw money at an issue and hope that it does something? Right now, we essentially have a two-front war. Two-front war is real simple. You have one in Ukraine. You have one in uh, now Israel on the Gaza Strip and Palestine. Uh, those are the two that we know of. But there are other hotspots that we don't know of that aren't really getting the news coverage like North Korea out there. Do we have the resources as a nation to do all of this? I'm not saying become isolationists, but all that money that we spent here in the last 15 years, oh, well, okay, what about my lifetime, 50 years, basically 1973. Uh, wouldn't it be nice to have that money? How about in the early 2010s when we had all these smelters for lead go offline? Now we're dealing with an ammunition shortage. Do we have the, and this is a legitimate question, do we have the capacity as a nation to go and respond to this? I don't know. Beats the heck out of me. Now the question is, and I got uh, off the phone, I had a discussion with uh, uh, one of our uh, former guests, one of our guests here recently, uh, Daniel Krauss. What are we doing financially with our own families? What are we doing to prep, prep our own families? Do we have a bug out location? Because I tell you what, we got threats of nuclear war. And here we have a report. I'm going to pull it up from the New York Post, uh, published uh, on last Sunday. FBI war, uh, director warns of rise in terror threats against Americans, potential copycat attacks on U.S. soil. The head of the FBI is ominously warning that there is a rising number of terror threats against the U.S., and that the biggest concern involves potential lone wolves pulling off Hamas copycat attacks here. Agency Chief Christopher Wray. Uh, hold on, I got got to love these ads. Uh, Christopher Wray is 56. Why do they put his name in there? Urge law enforcement is an uh, agent there urged law enforcement to be extra cautious about ripple effects from the raging Israeli-Palestinian conflict during an address at the International Association of Chiefs of Police annual conference in San Diego on Saturday. History has been witnessed to anti-Semitic and other forms of violent extremists far too long, he said, according to an FBI transcript. We remain committed to continue confronting these threats. I had mentioned last week, I believe it was, One of the, our biggest threats here is people cannot discuss things reasonably. We've always heard, do not talk about politics. Do not talk about religion. Do not talk about money. We always heard back in the day, don't talk about sex lives. But guess what? You know, everyone's got their sex life out there, it seems, except for me. Believe me, you know. And... uh you know, it's you no. Know, my brother Eric and I had a conversation one time. He says it's amazing what people will tell you about their sex lives. But God forbid you tell they tell you about their finances or politics, right? But what what ends up happening here is this: we had, and it was evident to me when I was working in politics, anti-Semitism like you would not believe. 
in this con in this country. Not talked about, except by groups like the uh, uh, Anti Defamation League (ADL), some of the other uh, groups out there. Not really talked about. Now all of a sudden we have this situation going on in Israel. They came out of the freaking woodwork. A lot of these folks. They're out there, guys. Locations, there's a lot of uh, things about college campuses. Well, that's to be expected. Anyway, since the 1960s, you have it with the counterculture and everything else. But all of a sudden, we're finding out college camp now, college campuses, high school campuses, in some uh, uh, cases, I'm sure, uh, Marxist ideologies that have made their way into the workforce. You go and fill in the blank on that one and uh, some other stuff. We didn't know this. Why? Because the people were, who are polite were not discussing politics or religion in a polite, reasonable way, reasonable way, blah, blah, blah. Right. As reasonable as it could be. Now we have a situation where all these people come from. Where do all these people come from? Oh, all, you know, we got protests here. We got thousands of people here protesting. We got thousands of people here protesting. The FBI says, well, we may have lone terrorist attacks here. What are you going to do? I'm not saying be angry all the time. That's sometimes my job. But I'm not saying be angry all the time. I'm just saying we got to learn to discuss this stuff because we're coming apart at the seams, people. We're kind of part of the seams as a nation in a lot of ways. A lot of ways we're coming together. That's a positive thing. And that's what we're about here is, right? Maybe in the beginning credits, I'm going to put in, blessed be the peacemakers. Think about it. From the Bible, right? Oh, I'm not supposed to talk about the Bible here. Blessed be the peacemakers and in the uh, Beatitudes, Sermon on the Mount. What we need out there are peacemakers. Now we can rely, we can continue to rely on the government to do this. We could go out there and continue to rely on someone else to do it. I'm going to challenge my audience out there, my loyal audience. I'll say that I have some very loyal listeners to go out there and be peacemakers. One of the ways that we're doing that in the workplace, human organizational performance. Restorative, just restorative uh, things going in there. Get companies, people working together. Not being at each other's throats. That's how we're going to do that. And that's something we could do. And if we could do it, then our leaders are going to have to eventually listen. But it has to start with us doing that. So are you with me? I tell you what, we need to be together on this. And I'm, you know, I can't change the world, some people say. And I, my counter to that is this. I can, and you can, communicate the message that's going to change the world. That's what you could do. You can support programs like us safety on Safety FM. You can uh, support community groups looking to make things better to empower people, to educate people, 
to help people with keep people safe. We all have something to contribute to that. No, all is not bad. But the question is this: What are you going to do with this terrorism stuff to help your community, help your family? Prepare for disasters. We have a, have a lot of disaster uh, preparation programs recently on here. And sure enough, if we have a nuclear bomb going off, believe me, uh, if I could get on the air, we'll be talking about what you could do. Bottom line is this. Don't get it in you. Don't get it on you. Don't bring you in home. That's radiation. And that is our monologue. We're going to go to a brief commercial break while I set up the rest of the program. In the professional safety community, communication and planning are just a few keys to your program's success. The question many practitioners have is, where do I start? Dr. Jay Allen, the creator of the Safety FM platform and host of the Rated R Safety Show, has built a global foundation to help you along the way. Go to safetyfm.com and listen to some of the industry's best and most involved professionals, including Blaine Hoffman with The Safety Pro, Sam Goodman with The Hop Nerd, Sheldon Primus with The Safety Consultant, Jim Pozell with Safety Wars, Emily Elrod with Unapologetically Bold, and many others. Individuals, we can do great things, but as a team, we become amazing. Dial into safetyfm.com today and surround yourself with the powerful force of knowledge and support. Safety Wars is streaming now. SafetyFM.com. Here, we're going to go through our OSHA news releases for the week. U.S. Department of Labor investigation finds ADM failed to inspect. Let, let me remind everybody every, everyone is innocent until proven guilty, number one. Number two, a lot of these things are vacated, negotiated, uh, litigated, and everything else. So, this is proposed penalties uh, with this. And uh, with this is could go any way possible. So we're not uh, saying anything real bad. We're just reading open source information off of a government website. A lack of prevent a U.S. Department of Labor investigation finds ADM failed to inspect test critical sa- safety systems. An explosion that injured three workers at a Decatur facility. A lack of preventative maintenance on the explosion uh, suppression system of a bucket elevator was a major factor in an April 21st, 2023 explosion at uh, Archer Daniel Midlands Company's Westland that resulted in the hospitalization of three employees with burns and other injuries and extensive damage to the grain elevator. Uh, uh, what were the citations? Total of $324,000 here. What do we got? Aye, aye, aye. Okay. Citation one, item one, serious. 1910-272. The employer shall immediately remove any fugitive grain dust accumulations whenever they exceed one-eighth of an inch at uh, priority housekeeping areas pursuant to the housekeeping program or shall demonstrate and assure through the development and implementation of the housekeeping program that equivalent protection is provided. So grains, carbon, we're looking at flammable dust, big issue. 
The employer does not ensure that fugitive grain dust accumulations are removed whenever they exceed. Blah, blah, blah. Okay. Uh, again, uh, all right. What's the, and it's a very long, 17 instances they found. All right. Uh, they have to have a written housekeeping plan that ensures immediately removal of fugitive grain dust. Uh, right. They got them for $12,278. All right. And no, what I find is how different areas write this up. So uh, for this, so here we have an abatement documentation certification right here. I'm up uh, on uh, uh, highlighting it here. Yeah, that's the word I'm looking for. Citation to item one, type of violation, willful, serious. Uh, this is a uh, general duty clause violation. It's uh, really, uh, they only issue them really for serious things. But here we have a willful, serious violation, meaning that they should have known that this was a problem. The employer did not furnish a employment and a place of employment which were free of recognized hazards that were causing or likely to cause death or serious physical harm to employees and that employees were working in and around the corn germ unloading and elevation elevating area on the north end of elevator area were exposed to combustible agricultural dust, deflagration, and explosion hazards. What's the difference between deflagration and explosion? Deflagration proceeds at below the speed of sound. Explosion at greater the speed of sound is usually in a contained area, as far as we're talking about under OSHA. Associated with an indoor bucket elevator. The employer does not ensure employees working in buildings with indoor bucket elevators have combustible uh, agricultural dust uh, deflagration explosion hazards are adequately protected from those hazards. Uh, and here we go. Uh, they go then go and talk about what the issue is. Last quarterly inspection of the system, and then the feasibility methods for something. So if they give you general duty clause, they generally speaking give you what you can do because there has to be a useful thing that you could do to prevent this. And uh, inspections and things here. Uh, December 8th, uh, date five, which violation must be evaded December 8th, uh, proposed penalty. It is the maximum $156,259. Citation to item two is 1910-272-M1I. The employer shall implement preventative maintenance procedures consisting of regularly scheduled inspection of at least the mechanical and safety control equipment with dryers, green system processing equipment, dust collection going on and on. And, and that's another willful for $156,259. Citation three, item one. The employer must, and this is other than serious, the penalty is zero, uh, walking and working surface violation. Right? Uh, and total thing $324,796 now if I point out here uh, there was a uh, accident here and it, that results in the hospitalization of three employees and with burns and other injuries now what does that mean you have to go you have it, it used to be you needed three employees to have a catastrophic incident to call into OSHA well they changed it to 
three uh one injury overnight in the uh overnight in the uh hospital admittance into the hospital which is apparently what happened and you could see that uh you can see this was relatively easy to uh do do this uh to prevent this and april 2019 this is what why they came down hard OSHA cited the company for not inspecting and testing critical safety systems after the November 3rd, 2018 explosion at its East Campus caused extensive damage. As part of a formal settlement, the company agreed to conduct and document preventative maintenance. So they didn't do what they were supposed to. On January 4th, 2019, an explosion and deflagration propagation event caused equipment and structural damage. The East West Milling Corn Plant and outdoor truck unloading Bucket elevator legs. A detailed hazard alert letter was issued to the company outlining concerns with the performance and documentation of equipment. Additionally, OSHA issued citation to the company on September 29, 2023, following its investigation of uh, the April, 8, April 11, 2023 death of a locomotive cab operator in a collision at, a, at an Soy plant. The agency cited a violation in the general duty clause after determining that uh, the company had not ensured that crews positioned in rail cars with sufficient clearance to prevent a collision, and that was fifteen thousand six twenty-five in penalties. I don't know. That's what's going on there. If you're on their hit list, or I could say another kind of list. Come on. What was going on here? I don't know what the context is, so I'm going to keep my mouth shut. OSHA NASA's meaning of, well, that's old news. Sorry. And this, we're going over into Department of Labor. I don't know why the uh, uh, OSHA is not getting a lot of this stuff. This is an MSHA case here, but we have to go into the Department of Labor uh webpage to get a lot of this stuff. Federal judge orders Colorado mining company to ban owner from worksite until he completes required safety training. I've seen this happen, not by the government, but I've seen companies do this. Uh, general contractors, host employers, ban owners of the company because the owners are usually ones without uh, training at a, a lot of times. Uh, on October 13, 2023, Judge John Lee, John L. Kane entered an agreed consent order and judgment requiring a person to, uh, uh, requiring a company to prevent an owner uh, from entering the mining site permanently until he completes and provides proof of mandatory safety training. Pretty funny, uh, you know. After an investigation by the Department of Labor's Mine Safety and Health Administration, the mine owner was ordered to stay away from the mining site after MSHA learned that he had failed to comply with mandatory safety training. Despite the order, Duckles continued to work at the mine and was involved in several near misses and reportedly injured a worker with an excavator. Not good. Federal court enters consent judgment ordering New Jersey framing contractor to pay $360,000 for wage retaliation violations at a Lynn, Massachusetts project. A federal uh, court in Boston, by the way, I know of this company, 
a federal court in Boston has entered in a consent judgment ordering a New Jersey-based framing contractor to pay 61 construction employers over $283,000 in $283,492 in back wages and liquidated damages uh, and $46,507 in punitive damages to two former employees allegedly fired for cooperating with the U.S. Department of Labor investigators. So I don't know if they were whistleblowers or if they were just answering questions from the DOL. Not a good thing. The department alleged uh, P, uh, this company tried to avoid paying overtime premiums to certain employees. Specifically, the department found that employers made payments to certain employees, including employees paid by the company's drywall subcontractor and employees paid solely by the drywall subcontractor on behalf of the company for hours in excess of 40-hour work weeks without the overtime rate required by law. I guess they made them all, I could just imagine, they made them all professional service people, right? Or better yet, uh, uh, independent contractors, 1099. No such thing. Okay, we covered the terrorism threats uh, here, but I'm going to say it again. FBI, st- I guess you can read this. The FBI statement on Israel-Hamas conflict. During, the, during and this is from October 18. During the and this is from FBI.gov press releases. During the Israel-Hamas conflict, the FBI is continuing to monitor threats both in the U.S. and overseas. As the conflict continues, the FBI has seen an increase in reports of threats against Jewish, Muslim, and Arab communities and institutions. We take all potential threats seriously and are working closely with our law enforcement partners to determine their credibility, uh, share information, and take appropriate investigative action. As always, we encourage members of the public to immediately report anything they consider suspicious to law enforcement. FBI field offices across the country are communicating not with just our law enforcement partners, but also with faith-based organizations and the private sector, among others. To help keep our communities safe, you're talking with leaders of all faiths, including Jewish and Muslim leaders, sharing information and asking them to let us know if they see anything concerning. Through our legal attache in Tel Aviv, we are working with our Israeli and U.S. embassy partners to identify all Americans who have been impacted to that region, including those who remain unaccounted for, and our victim services specialists are working closely with victims, their families here and abroad. Countering terrorism it remains the FBI's number one priority, and we will not tolerate violence motivated by hate and extremism. We will continue to do everything in our power to protect the American people and pursue justice for the victims and their families. Okay. Heading on over to some other news. Some AI news here. Uh... Now, along this vein, I'm going to hold off on the AI news. U.S. warns every American board. This is from semaphore.com. U.S. Uh, from an article by J.D. Cafetullo. U.S. warns every American abroad to be cautious. U.S. Department of State issued a rare worldwide caution alert on 
Thursday, urging any Americans who is overseas to exercise increased caution. Due to increased tensions in various locations around the world, the U.S. said there is also an increased potential for terrorist attacks, demonstration, violent actions against the U.S. The U.S. Embassy in Beirut also urged American citizens Thursday to make plans to leave the country as soon as possible while commercial options are still available. Going on, we recommend that U.S. citizens who chose not to depart prepare contingency plans for emergency situations. That's all I'm saying. Just do it in this country. Israel's Iron Dome risks getting overstretched of war against Hamas widens. Israel's high-tech air uh, defense system, the Iron Dome, risks getting overwhelmed by missile attacks if the escalating war with Hamas and Gaza expands into a wider regional conflict. Okay, uh, they shot down a whole bunch of stuff from a ship yesterday, allegedly over by Yemen, that might have been uh, uh, headed towards the region. Incident involving a U.S. warship intercepting missiles near Yemen uh, lasted nine hours. This is from uh, what we just said, and it is the name of the ship, the USS Kearney, an early first-class destroyer that traversed the Suez Canal heading south on Wednesday, intercepting the missiles and drones as they were four cruise missiles and 15 drones. Uh, Their trajectory left little doubt that the projectiles were headed for Israel, the official said, a clearer assessment than the Pentagon's initial take. And who was that from? A U.S. official familiar with the situation. To combat, uh, okay. We're going to, how many minutes do we have left here? Okay, a little bit under uh, 20 minutes. I'm going to take a break because there's an article I wanted to, uh, we'll probably come on tomorrow morning sometime. There's an article I want to uh, go over here. Is your safety training old, stale, and hacky? Is your safety trainer still preaching a warped version of behavior-based safety? How about safety training that actually addresses your hazards in your workplaces and is not standardized baloney from 25 years ago? Contact the Safety Wars team at safetywars.com or call Jim Polzel at 845-269-5772. Remember, if you're receiving this message, you are the solution to unsafe workplaces. Have you listened or watched uh, the Safety War Show? It does stream live on on the radio and um, on the streamer emers that we have. So if you have not taken a listen to Jim Bozel and what the hell he's doing every evening with uh, Safety Wars, I would I would strongly encourage you to um to take a view or take a listen, um, whichever option is available for you, and take a listen to what the hell he has going on. Uh, it's definitely, it will take some deep dives and some information that you might be interested in. Yes, we always get interruptions here. Okay. Uh, let me go for one more and I got to get the. This is Safety Wars, broadcasting to our brothers and sisters in the occupied territory of behavior-based safety. Get out your secret decoder ring. Here is your nightly message. How you respond to failure matters. How you respond to failure matters. All right. Um, there was this question that came out on the internet. I'm seeing it on social media, some other stuff. 
how often, if you're a man, how often do you think of the Roman Empire? All right. And this question was posed to me by, uh, I'll mention it, Amanda from church a couple weeks ago. Uh, and she did as a judge. She said, thought it was bizarre. And my question was, I think about the Roman Empire every day because a lot of our stuff out there goes back to the Roman Empire. That and I get feeds from archaeology.com. I think that's the name of the website and a couple of other things on archaeology because that's always been in my interest. And I also get uh, National Geographic. Right? Uh, anyway, um, I was listening to a podcast the other night, not on the Safety FM network, and they commented on what were the, it, this is an article. It was originally a number of years ago, uh, 2014, and then it was updated last month in September on history.com. And I'm going to read select parts of this. They give eight reasons why Rome fell. At least, and again, it's history and it's debatable and people talk about it, but I thought it was very succinct in its uh, description here. Number one, invasions by barbarian tribes. Most straightforward theory for Western Rome's collapse. Remember, you had Roman Empire, you had the West and the East. All right. Uh, pins the fall on a string of military losses sustained against outside forces. Rome had tangled with Germanic tribes for centuries, but in by the 300s, barbarian groups like the Goths had encroached beyond the empire's borders. The Romans weathered a Germanic uprising in the late 4th century, but in 410, the Visigoth king, Alaric, successfully sacked the city of Rome. The empire spent the next several decades under constant threat before uh, Rome was raided again in 455, this time by the Vandals, where we get vandalism from, or vandalism. Finally, in 476, the Germanic leader, Odoacer, staged revolt and deposed Emperor Romulus Augustillus. And from then on, no Roman Empire would ever rule from a post in Italy, leading many to cite 476 as the year the Western Empire suffered its death blow. And the Eastern Empire center, uh, centered in Constantinople and now uh, also known as the Byzantine Empire by some people and now uh, uh, called Istanbul was uh, there. Economic number two, economic troubles and over-reliance on slave labor. We don't have slaves in this country, but they did have slave labor there. It was uh, just one of those things, uh, slave labor. We have people in this country that are essentially slaves, right? And what happened was they had to import people in. Number three, and who wrote this article? It was by Evan Andrews. Number three, the rise of the Eastern Empire. The fate of Western Rome was partially sealed in the late 3rd century when Emperor Diocletian divided the empire into two halves. The Western Empire, seated in the city of Milan, and the Eastern Empire in Byzantium, later known as Constantinople, then uh, uh, Istanbul. The division made the empire more easily governable in the short term, but over time, the two halves drifted apart. East and West failed to adequately work together to combat Outside threats, the two often squabbled over resources and military aid. As the Gulf widened, the largely Greek-speaking Eastern Empire grew when wealth, while Latin-speaking, descended into an economic crisis. Here. 
Do, do, do. Going on, number four, overexpansion and military overspending. Did we talk about this? Right? Right now? You got two wars going on? Uh, and they had their share of troubles in the Middle East, too. Five, government corruption and political un- instability. Sound familiar, folks? And Rome's sheer size made it difficult to govern ineffective and inconsistent leadership, only served to magnify the problem, being the Roman Empire had always been a particular dangerous job, but during the tumultuous second and third centuries, it became nearly a death sentence. Number six, the arrival of the Huns and the migration of barbarian tribes. I think John uh, Colicos from... He played Kang in Star Trek and uh, also in Steve Zayzad in the original series and also uh, the original Baltar in the uh, 1978 series Battlestar Galactica. He played Attila the Hun here. Uh, But again, uh, again, brutalizing, right? Barbarian tribes are brutalized by the Romans. And I'm not going to read it here because it's, you know, horrible situation how the article how the article describes these things uh the next one the christianity and the loss of traditional values the decline of rome dovetailed with the spread of christianity and some have argued that the rise of a new faith helped contribute to the empire's fall the edict of milan legalized christianity in 313 and it later became the state religion in 380 these decrees ended centuries of persecution but they may have also eroded the traditional roman value system Christianity displaced a polytheistic, meaning many gods, Roman religion, which viewed the emperor as having divine status and also shifted focus away from the glory of the state and and onto a sole deity. Meanwhile, popes and other church leaders took an increased role in political affairs, further complicating governance. The 18th century historian Edward Gibbon was the most famous proponent of this theory, but his take has been widely criticized. While the spread of Christianity may have played a small role in curving Roman civic virtue, most scholars now argue that its influence paled in comparison to the military, economic, and administrative factors. Number eight, the weakening of the Roman legions. For most of its history, Rome's military was the envy of the ancient world, but during the decline, the makeup of the once mighty legions began to change. Unable to recruit enough soldiers from the Roman citizenry, sound familiar? following the news? Emperors like Diocletian and Constantine began hiring foreign mercenaries to prop up their armies. Sound familiar? Russia, the Wagner group. This country, we have our share of uh, mercenaries. The ranks of the legions eventually swelled with Germanic Goths and other barbarians, so much so that Romans began using the Latin word barbarous in place of the soldier. While these dramatic soldiers of fortune to be fierce warriors, they also had little or no loyalty to the empire, and their power-hungry officers often turned against their Roman employers. In fact, many of the barbarians who sacked the city of Rome and brought down the Western Empire had earned their military stripes while serving Roman legions. So that goes to your question. Do I think about the Roman Empire? Yeah, I pretty much think about them every day with this. And going back to our 
opening monologue here. Trying to be a peacemaker out there. We'll get through this. We're good, strong people here in the West. We'll get through this current crisis, but we, we need peacemakers out there. We need people willing to go uh, and communicate the message of peace and communicate this stuff and not rely on the leadership. To, you become the leader for this. And we're going to have more on that leadership in the very near future, like within a week. Uh, I'll be speaking on uh, October 27th at the ASSP event here in Rockland County on leadership. And we'll be sharing some of those things here. For Safety Wars, this is Jim Pozel. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and its guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are only examples. They should not be utilized in the real world as the only solution available as they are based only on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system, or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic, recording, or otherwise, without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast, Jay Allen.